Right, hello and welcome to the Long Ball Football Podcast, a weekly podcast by two brothers about all things football in Portugal. You're listening to myself, Albert, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Barney. How are you doing, Barney? Had a good week? Yeah, I agree. I really enjoyed the weekend, man. Football back. Yep. Um, as soon as it started on Wednesday, didn't it, with Benfica and the Champions League qualification? Yeah, no, a really, really enjoyable weekend. How about yourself? Yeah, very good. Much the same. I had a very rare weekend of really not doing much at all. I watched... Uh, the game on Friday, I watched a one on Saturday and I watched three games in a row on Sunday, which was a bit of a marathon, but uh, I persevered. Not many people stuck with me on Twitter until the end, but I appreciate uh, those who did. It's nice that um, I mean, free sports have come through for me because uh, European qualifications run about 6pm. Perfect time for me. Perfect time. And then um, sporting on the Friday was a bit later. I watched the first half, had to go to bed. A half time, but then free sports came through the re- repeat 10 a.m. Saturday morning. You're the only Portuguese football fan in the UK who's happy that the deal repeats at 10 a.m. the next day. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was great to be back. Um, I started last week's show by uh saying thank you to everyone for such a great response for the previous show, uh, and I'm going to do the same again because we've had a really, really nice response to our season preview show. Uh, we'd like to say thank you to everyone who, who listened to that, who sent us a nice message, who left us a comment. Uh, who got involved with that so we really do appreciate it if there's anyone who's new to the show we're very much back into the weekly swing of things we're going to be uh, well and truly into our weekly shows now where we round up the week's games preview whatever's coming up in Europe uh, and just talk about transfers or any other pertinent news we're going to come on to the games of the week in a second we usually start the show with a bit of a transfer news doing the transfer window Barney not much going on. No, no. This could be a very short section. I've got down Mamo Ugarte to Sporting. That one was signed, sealed and delivered today. I think it's the worst kept secret in Portuguese football. <laughs> We've been that, waiting for that one for, for feels like months. Uh, finally signed off. Um, what do you think? Should be a good addition. I think it's a good addition. Definitely um, strengthens them in that midfield area. Um, I, I see him as a deputy to Palinia. I think uh, Mateus News will start ahead of him. Although some people are actually tipping him to, to, to get into the starting lineup, so it'd be interesting to see. Lovely business of fat from a family cow, wasn't it? Getting him in what January last season, so he's had half half season in Portugal and already he's moved to the best team in, in Portugal currently. So yeah, yeah, nice little profit on the side on on the move from their perspective as well. I'm interested to hear you think he'll be understudy to Paulinho. Though I'm not quite sure. Obviously, there's a little bit of talk that Mateus Nunes might be off to Everton. If Nunes was to leave, would you play him alongside Paulinho? Because for me. They're quite similar, but there are differences there. To me, Ugarte is a player with maybe a little bit more, slightly more positive-minded. Yeah, I agree with that. I think he's um, he's definitely a more capable player in the sort of final third, isn't he, compared to Palmina? I think we saw glimpses of that last season. I'm sure he was, he'll get minutes in the sporting team, particularly with um, them having Champions League football this season. I just felt like Amarin usually likes to play a more typical attacking midfielder in that mm. role, if you see mm. what I mean. And, and with Brent Cancer, I think they've got that player. And Mateus Nunes, if he's still there, I think, yeah, he will get the nod. But a, a solid signing for Sporting. Very, very solid signing. Well, as I alluded to, we usually have a few more chances to talk about. It's been a bit quiet. I don't know what you think, Barney. Is it just me? It feels like the window's been quite quiet. I feel like we ended last season and we were so excited about some of the moves that might come off. We're thinking about some of the, the star players who are playing slightly below the big three. Hidamas Marita Carlos Jr., Alejo Mazzaratti. Uh, we wondered where Ryan Gould would end up. We wondered where Better would end up, and 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 it just seems like none of those moves have have really happened. I know it's interesting, isn't it? Because apart from Gould moving away, which we were obviously disappointed in, yeah, those players who we, we 
just I just assumed would be snapped up instantly, mm. like uh, early moves from the, some some of the big clumps. And those rumors were there, weren't they? Mm. But I I don't know. I it's it's a strange one. I've, obviously, there's a long time left in this window. I think there's going to be uh, there's still a lot of movement to come. The interesting one for Albert, like you mentioned Mizrati. Just to bring this up, I, I, it looks like he's going to stay. I think that you know it seems like Braga st- um, stayed strong. You know they they were holding out for about fifteen million, I think. Um, ben, I mean, that was Benfica who were the suitors, weren't they? And it just hasn't materialised. And... Well, it looks like Benfica just weren't willing to match the price tag. They obviously went for Mate, the French defensive mm. midfielder. And I think they got for about 5 million euros less than, or even more than whatever uh, Braga were asking for. So, you know, maybe that's uh, the bigger teams not quite willing to splash the cash that they have in the past. Obviously, belt buckles will be tightened uh, given what's, what's happened with the pandemic and uh you know Benfica spent a lot of money last year so maybe it's not surprising but well as you say we'll wait to see if any more big moves materialize towards the end of the window and last year we did a little transfer special after the deadline day was finished so we might do the same again this year but to get onto the European football Barney obviously again we usually like to preview the European games that are coming up if there are any coming up and I feel like this could be the easiest European preview we've done in a while because we've got three Portuguese teams in Europe in a fantastic position three teams who won the first of two legs uh, looking strong going into their second legs Benfica as you mentioned beat Spartak 2-0 this podcast is coming out on the Wednesday and Benfica will have played on the Tuesday so we don't know the result of that but I think we both expect them to uh, to get through that fixture I don't know about you very quickly, Barney. I just wasn't very impressed with Spartak at all. Benfica, job well done, but he didn't really come up against much opposition. No, but I do think it was um, a solid performance from Benfica. I think, you know, uh, they obviously only had the one game last season in Europe, which was a, a bit of a disaster. But with this, you know, this free of the Mac that um, Jorge Jesus is playing, you know, they looked, they looked comfortable enough, you know, and that's, you know, it's, it's still Spartak must be. You know, it's not like, um, it wasn't the easiest of a tie on paper, I would say. Um, the interesting thing for me, which I still I, don't, I, I hate it, is that they've got rid of the away goal. So obviously there's two. It doesn't count that it's away in the first leg. So, ah, oh, I love the away goal system. And I don't know about you. I think I liked it if it benefited the team that I liked. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of understand why they got rid of it. I feel like, well, but then again, you know, we've just spent a year without fans in the stadium and the fans are starting to come back now. And we're starting to remember the impact that fans kind of have during a live game. So it did seem to be this kind of fashionable opinion in the past that, oh, the away goals, uh, it's it's an outdated rule. It doesn't actually affect the performance of the players. But, you know, maybe we're, after the year we've had without fans, maybe we're starting to to change that view and come back around to it. Well, as, as I said, the, the Benfica game will be over by now. Um, we're expecting them to get through. If they haven't, we've missed out on a juicy story. But what can we do? <laughs> did you watch the Passos game against Lahn? I did. I was just about to come on to that. What did you make of it? 4-0 it finished. And they got off to a slow start, I thought. They almost made it hard for themselves. But they yeah, brought it home in the end. I did. did. Lan were um, quite a physical team, weren't they? I, I think they're, they're trying to put the boot in a few things. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I love though? Um, little Nuno Santos uh, giving it back as well. That was, oh, yeah. <laughs> he wasn't taking anything. But no, a, a fantastic pass. Like, like, I, I agree with you. I thought they were going to look like in the first half it could have become in, t- turned into a difficult game. Then, of course, they got the goal. And then and the others just came in after that and they, they were, they're comfortable. And of course, is it the marquee tie of Tottenham next year? Yeah, game? yeah. Yeah, that, uh, can't wait for that. Very exciting prospect that, you know, for, with a 4-0 cushion, we expect them again to go through and their prize at the end of it is uh, a tie against Tottenham. Well, I call it a prize. 
what do you think, Barney? Do you think they'll be pleased to get in a team like Tottenham? Or do you think they'll be disappointed not to get a team, a more winnable game? It's a difficult one. I think because there are teams in in this, in that uh, competition who are, are winnable ties, I would say, for Pastor de Ferreira. I was going to come on to this about Santa Clara as well because they're, they're looking, I think they've got an easier game if they progress. Um, and so they've got a, a better chance of getting into the group stage. I just don't agree with a team like Passos. Like I said, we'll come on to them, but the distraction of the European football was was trying to do something in the league. I don't know if that was so. The fact that they've got Tottenham here and now, you know, it, rather than a, a rubbish team and potentially going out to them, you know, it's. I mean, it's going to be huge. They're going to go to London. It's going to be like you know, oh, it's going to be such a good, such a good game. Yeah, football in terms, I agree. With you. The only thing in the back of my mind was financially. Would there be an opportunity to get themselves a bit of a payday by going one step further? But that said, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how much these early rounds of the Europa Conference League are, are worth to these clubs. So uh, who knows? But that said, a tie against Tottenham, very exciting. We're buzzing for that. There's a good chance that we may even be able to go into the game here in London. So we're really buzzing for that. You touched on Santa Clara. 2-0 they are up against Olympia Ljubljana. They play that second leg on Thursday, same day as Passos. Again, another tie I think we expect them to get through. Uh, and it's just great to see Portuguese teams doing well in Europe. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the Passos game I've seen, the Santa Clara game I've seen, the, the style of football holds up, doesn't it? Like, like we mentioned with the lot, like the Passos long game, you know, there was the potential there where it could have become into a bit of a, uh, a more physical affair. But the football came through. Um, of course, obviously the fans there as well. Yeah, it's just, um, it's so, so nice to see. Absolutely. Well, look, let's move on to the main chunk of what we're going to talk about today. And that is, of course, Jornada 1 of the 2021-22 Primera Liga season. And it all kicked off in spectacular fashion on the Friday night, sporting the reigning champions, taking on new boys, Vizela. It ended 3-0 to sporting two goals from Pedro Gonzalez and one goal from Polinio. Enough to see the champions safely through. Now, very interesting games from Barney. I went into this game thinking about Vizela. I was thinking about this new team, the new kids on the block, this style of football that we've heard about so much, the the upset they caused last year. Could they bring that uh, into this game? But Sporting made me forget all about Vizela very quickly. Their performance was just another excellent performance. They built on that fantastic display we saw in the Super Tassa. And it, again, it was just another really impressive display. Yeah, I think what I really enjoyed about this game, because, yeah, like you, after um, speaking to Jose last week from uh, especially the Segunda I was I was like, oh, Vizella, here we go. This could be tasty. But it just, you know, it's easier to forget Amarin and his tactics and the way they played was just so glorious to watch. I thought, I mean, one thing that I feel like is obvious, having seen the whole of last season, is that you cannot play four at the back against Sporting. You have to go five and match them. If, if, you know, because how much space does as Guy and Vinagre have just, you know, hugging the touch lines? And then you add Jovan and... Pote just like darting about, dragging defenders everywhere. And, and, and suddenly, the, you know, they just had all this space and it's something they kept doing throughout the game. I mean, there was just one move that I just loved. I could just see it happen over and over again. And just as soon as I understood what was going on, it was just like such a joy. So, you know, the ball would get played back to Paulinho and Mateus Nunes in midfield. And then Jovan would rush backwards to call for the ball to feet dragging the centre-back or the right-back. And then suddenly, and in the same moment, Vinagre would just make his run behind. And it, they just kept doing that over and over again. And it was just like, it was just such a treat. They've obviously been working that in training. I just thought it was a brilliant tactical display. 
I mean, you mentioned Van Agra there, Barney. He was the one of the most interesting names for me because after the Super Tassel, we were raving about how everything was going down that left-hand side. Nuno Mendes was playing where well. he was linking up with Duran. Now, obviously, Nuno Mendes got injured, so he wasn't available for this game. And we were watching Van Agra's debut, his first display, and it was so encouraging to see him just slot into that position, do exactly the same job, do exactly what was needed. He was happy for everything to go through him down that left-hand side. Uh, and it was absolutely no issue missing Mendes I think that's really encouraging for Sporting knowing that at some point you know Mendes is going to move on for a big feat obviously they can keep him that season this season fantastic but they've got uh, a very adept left back uh, ready to step in Giovanni is an interesting one Barney now we both spoke about him in our season preview we both backed him to step up have a good season I thought there were good signs of that in the Super Tassa you can't get away from the fact that he, he had a poor game though which was quite disappointing to see obviously the most obvious event was when he, he missed his penalty. Now, I was quite pleased to see him step up and take the penalty because it was just another sign that, sign that he was ready to take on responsibility. Of course, he blazes it over the bar and you could just see his confidence took, took a dip there and his performance kind of trailed off. He ended up getting subbed off in the second half, not really doing much. I don't know what you made of his performance. I just really hope that he's able to bounce back from that. I hope Amarin puts him straight back into the team. I hope they keep giving him that confidence because he looks like a player who is ready to step up, who is ready to to be one of the key players in this team. And, and I hope this is not too much of a setback. Yeah, I wrote a similar point down because I think it's going to be very interesting. Like obviously last season, the fact that we didn't see him very much at all clearly shows that there's, for me anyway, that there's a, there's a slight doubt in Amarin's mind about his ability or, what, or if he can play in this system. I know Sporting came out after the game and obviously said he's still going to be in penalties if he's on the pitch, which is great. But I think it's going to be very interesting if how Amarin manages this. I agree with you for me, if if he gets dropped, you, like you said, you saw his confidence levels drop a little bit. If suddenly that he's dropped, it could just spiral out of control. I think they've got to be very careful. I think he's, I think he's got the ability. He just had a poor game. I don't know. It's... Um, it was certainly going to be an interesting one. Let's talk about the two goal scorers, Barney. Of course, we can't get away from the fact that Pedro Gonzalez had a fantastic game. He started the season as he left off last year. He scored two goals in a game, two fantastic finishes as well. I think that's what impressed me so much. He scored three goals in his last two games and all three of them were just great finishes. There was always, and it's not just with Pedro Gonzalez, but it was also with Sporting as a whole. For me, there was just always this question in the back of my mind about were they going to be able to recreate what they did last season was it a one season wonder well I think Pedro Gonzalez has already put any thoughts that he's a one season wonder to bed I've got to be completely honest here I, 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 hear me out I, I sort of forgot about him and I, because <laughs> and because like there was no solid rumours linking him with like a big move right we didn't really see him at the Euros obviously he didn't get a minute and and just because like you know sometimes he's it can be quite quiet in games. And then suddenly on Friday, I honestly, it was the first time all summer I had the thought, man, this guy is special. He is going to be a big player. And like, do you know, because he absolutely is. And I think what 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 we're really lucky in this moment is, you know, we obviously didn't really see him much of Family Cow when he was playing midfield. I think he got seven goals that season and then he's moved to Sporting. He's suddenly become this lethal finisher. You texted me that uh, tweet about the, what is it? He had two goals with an XG of 0.1. Like, man, those finishes, were, they remind me of Aguero. Like, they were just absolutely lethal. Like, he had, he's able to get his body around and generate a lot of power, like, facing away from goal. I just, man, it, I, 
yeah <laughs> and do you know what when i say i forgot about as well i obviously forgot about him when it came to the fantasy <laughs> <laughs> barney the only man in the country who's not got pedro Gonzalez <laughs> as his fantasy league captain no no i i i kind of get what you're saying i think um i think it's easy i think it was easy to take him for granted last season but you know he, he's clearly a special player and, and while he's still here we're going to love watching him. I do want to talk about the other goal scorer, Barney, of course, Paulinho. Now, it's interesting, Paulinho, because I feel like if Pedro Gonçalves wasn't at the team, Paulinho would be the obvious star of this team. Not necessarily because of how he's performed, but because of the price tag that came with him. You know, he's a striker that's got an international cap for Portugal. Uh, he had a big reputation at Braga. And obviously what we spoke about in the pre-season, um, in the season preview show last week, was that he didn't have a great goal scoring return last season. Uh, but he did finish the season well. And I think he showed that he was ready to continue that good form that he showed at the end of the last season. Only one goal, but it was a good goal. And more importantly, uh, as we mentioned last last week, he's a team player who does a lot more for the team than, than just score the goals. So I think very encouraging signs from those two players and from the rest of the team. Uh, and just generally another excellent performance from Sporting. We should talk about Villazella, of course, though, Barney. We don't want to make this a one-sided conversation. Now, obviously, uh, as I mentioned, we were thinking a lot about Villazella before the game started. We were wondering, we were waiting to see what we were going to see from them. Obviously, it didn't end uh, the way they would have wanted it to. But let's not forget, you know, Villazella are starting their season with literally their toughest game of the season. Away to the Champions, there is no more difficult uh, game from that. And they're not the only team that's going to lose 3-0 to this sporting side this season. I still, however, think there were some positive signs. They had an excellent first 10-15 minutes, I thought. Uh, They even had the ball in the back of the net. Obviously, Cassiano scored that goal, which was then ruled offside. Uh, But of course, weren't able to match up to what sporting were capable of. I still don't think they're to be underestimated, though, Barney. They will come out and press teams. They still fought for every ball. They still look to attack at every opportunity they got. Uh, and I think the early signs are still relatively promising. Yeah, I wrote down a lot of uh, similar points to you. But I've, negatives, I thought, like you said, I think they, I thought they were silly not to address how how stretched they were getting at half time because it was so glaringly obvious. Um, you know, it was always like five people sporting had five players against their back four sometimes. But yeah, they, but they did press well, and I think also in that first half when Sporting were playing out from the back, there were there was a couple of times where Vizetta came very close to catching them, and if, if they had caught them. They would they would have been through. So yeah, I think I agree with you. I think they'll give some. They'll give a few teams some good games this season. Um, Cassiano, I wrote down he he'll, he'll get goals. I think I, I think he showed. I mean, he had he had outpaced Quartas and Nashi a couple of occasions. He's had that strength as well. Um, and yeah, I think there was one passage where they did about three one touch passes, and they they almost got in behind the sporting back line. So the po- positive signs, but the, the main I I don't know. I'm going to go back to my first point. I just thought it was a little silly not to address the clear problems that they were facing at half-time. I think that comes down to Pacheco, the manager. I think he should have done so. Well, also, I think their squad was stretched quite thin. One thing that I didn't realise, and I had to shout out Zachary Bon, one of our listeners, for this. He drew to my attention the fact that uh, they were missing a few key players at centre-back. So in the end, for this game, their centre-back pairing was uh, a midfielder uh, in Marcus Paolo and a left back in Kiki. So, you know, it was a bit of a makeshift defence. Maybe the squad was stretched a bit thin. Uh, and I think we did really see those kind of defensive weaknesses in this game. But as I said, a lot of promise going forward, a lot of promise. Uh, I thought they were well organised, actually. That's the one thing I will say. I do think they were well organised. So there's a, there's a lot to build on. Uh, and I think we'll be able to judge them better uh, after some different games. 
All right, well, let's move on to Porto Barney. They beat BSAD 2 0. Uh, on Sunday evening, goals from Tony Martinez and Luis Diaz. Now, when I first saw the lineup for this game, Barney, I thought it was quite interesting because we've speculated about what lineup um, Sergio Gonzalez will go with now that he's got more wingers at his disposal. But it was the 4 4 2 we saw him go with a lot last season. Uh, two up front of Taremi and Martinez. I did think, like I said, he might bring in Pepe to play 4 3 3. Uh, but we didn't see that in this game. Pepe, of course, coming on as a sub. Bruno Costa and and uh, Sergio Oliveira as a midfield pairing. Very interesting to me. Not what I expected to see. I think Bruno Costa is getting more minutes than I expected. I'm not sure playing in a midfield two particularly suits him. I see him more as a kind of attacking midfielder than midfield three. But maybe against a team like B said, um, something you can get away with. What did you make of the team, Barney? What did you make of the way they were set out? Well, yeah, I think on Costa, I think Contrasal would have anticipated B-Sad, you know, being difficult to break down. So having Bruno Costa and over a read would give that a bit more creativity, perhaps he would find a pass. And I think I was quite impressed with him. You know, he was dropping deep quite a lot. Uh, something we didn't really see him do that much at Passos de Freire, but um, he looked quite comfortable. And uh, I thought I thought it was um, I thought it was a good good decision. I think I think Pepe will come in eventually because we have this interesting situation now where obviously Luis Diaz is on absolute fire at the moment. I thought he was I thought he was brilliant in this game. So fun to watch. So attacking. I don't know about you. Do you think he? Do you think he tries too much? You know, maybe takes on one too many players sometimes. Or Luis Diaz. Yeah, I think he does, but I love it. Uh, yeah, and that's what I want to. That's what I want to see from him. I think he was the star of the show. Mm, maybe he was slightly outstarred by João Mario. We'll come on to that. But he was one of the stars of the show, and I think it's really encouraging to see him taking on that role of being the star in the team. So I, I kind of like that. I kind of want him to be that player who's saying, I'm going to beat my man. I'm going to create the chances. And I mean, <laughs> he had a very eventful game. He had obviously a penalty ruled out, initially given and then ruled out by VAR for a dive, rightfully so, in my opinion. He then had a much bigger penalty shout waved away uh, after collision with the keeper. Uh, he had a lot of good chances, played very, very well. And obviously got his goal with a header, something we don't see from him so often. So a very good game from him and something I hope we see more of. Yeah, you mentioned Jamira. I was going to go on to him because when he, on the left-hand side, obviously Diaz was offering the width, but you know there was no need for Otavio to play so wide and was able to pop up in, in, in the middle because Jao Mario just had that right-hand side down, didn't he? I mean, what, what a performance. And oh, for me, is he nailed on starter ahead of Manafar now, do you think, Albert? Because that performance was really exciting. I don't know how you drop him. I mean, I know Sergio Conceição has his favourites, uh, one of whom is now playing in Saudi Arabia, but I don't know how you drop Jean Mario after a performance like that. It's so interesting, by the way, isn't it? Like, obviously, fullback has been a problem position for them probably for a few years now. I think it's fair to say that. Uh, they've signed a lot of players to fill those positions. And now it seems that the solution lies in a 21-year-old youth product, you know, someone who is even converted from a winger to a fullback. And to me, he he really does look like the real deal. I, I don't know how you drop him. He was one of their star players. He was in the, I think he was arguably the best player in the game and and certainly uh, one of the standout performances. Well, I was I was looking forward to see Nilson Varela, the beast had left back, you know, the young, uh, uh, young Portuguese left back in this league. And uh, you know, Jamari <laughs> just turned him inside out. He had a such a torrid time. He didn't have a chance. And just one more. So I, you mentioned Tony Martinez getting on the score sheet out, but um, I think he's in for a big season. I think he, he always surprised me how fast he is. I thought he was, he was very pace. I mean, a great finish with his left, left foot for this goal. And he looks more threatening than Taremi. And I, and I, I know Taremi's last season provided a lot of assists and a lot of goals, but I think... Um, 
Tony Martinez could have, could be in a big in for a big season. It was really interesting to see the link up between Taremi and Martinez. Now, it's interesting to me because so many people were tipping Medi Taremi as the league's top scorer this season, as their prediction. I don't see it because if Porto are going to stick with this 4-4-2, I see them sharing the goals. So I don't see either one of them being the standout player. Obviously, it was Martinez's turn to be the star man in this game. Everything seems to be going through him. And, and Taremi had a very quiet game. Very quiet game. Didn't really get on the ball that much. But like I said, I, I I don't see one of them being the standout. I don't see one of them grabbing all the goals this season. I think they will be sharing the responsibility. And I, I hope that Tony Martinez does take his fair share of the goals this season because I think he had his path blocked to the first team by Morega last year. You know, Morega's gone now. I don't really want to spend too much time talking about that situation, but uh, I didn't agree with Constasau's relentless support for Morega up front, which I think everyone agrees with me there. So I'm just delighted that Tony Martinez now has got an opportunity to show what he can do. Another player who I think was given an opportunity with Diogo Costa um, in goal. Mm. And it's like this opportunity was sort of due to his preseason with Martian being at international duty, and and he's obviously impressed. And I think if he keeps putting in performances, there's a couple of really good saves that come to mind towards the end of the game that he, he made. And what I, I guess what's interesting is you know Martian is obviously brilliant last season, but realistically, I think Costa's got more potential to you know eventually generate more income. You see what mm. I mean? Like he's only 21, mm. if, and mm. and if he keeps putting in performance like that, man, he, he could be in the team for a lot longer. Yeah, he's a young man and I, I did enjoy his performance. I thought he was very capable. Really messed with my fantasy team though as someone who went for much cynical. Oh, same, same. I'm going to let it go though. I'll let him have it. Uh, any comments on B-Sad though, Barney? We shouldn't completely disregard them. Uh, the only thing I've really written down for them because it was a pretty abject performance where they didn't show anything. I was quite almost disturbed by Petit's comments at the end of the game. He was, he was asked about the fact that they didn't really attack very much or they didn't really try and get anything out of the game and his comment was basically well look it's better to lose 2-0 than 5-0 and I just thought (laughs) that's not really the attitude to have Uh, for me it was interesting because I was looking for positives about being sad before the game I was looking for a reason to be interested in them I mean we've made no bones in the past about the fact that we're not particularly big fans of the club for various reasons so I was looking for reasons to be positive about them Afonso Souza stands out as that reason. Young player, 20 years old, good creative attacking player. Didn't even start the game, got 30 minutes at the end. And I don't think it was really any coincidence that when he was on the pitch, was the only time you felt he's had had any half chances. His long range shot in the 94th minute was really their only half decent chance of the game. I did question the um, the lineup. I thought uh, I was surprised Pedro didn't start. Obviously, being the, the big summer signing for them. Yeah, it just didn't. There didn't seem to be much of a pan. I thought Cassier had a few good touches. Um, uh, one player I did want to highlight because uh, was a uh, Cafu or Fiabang Fete, the South African um, defense. Just because you know, probably we've, we've had a laugh and joke about him posting his um, bang average highlight videos on Twitter. <laughs> But I thought he looked all right in this game because I, I, I perfectly kept an eye out for him. And I, I, the thing I like about him, if he's playing in this like three at the back, three centre backs, it's that he's, his ability to come out with the ball. I thought he looked comfortable a few times, had a few dribbles. And the, the only other reason I was highlighting him is because, you know, that they've obviously sold a lot of experience this Bees had team. So it, it's going to be a bit more coming onto his shoulders. He's got to, like, you know, if he's playing that back line with, you know, Ribeiro and for. Nilson Varela, who I mentioned before, he's going to have to sort of step up as, as a sort of leader. And, uh, and, I, and I I saw a few glimpses in this game where I think he can do it. So, yeah, uh, I just want to give a bit of credit to him because I feel bad for laughing at him. <laughs> <laughs>
Well, let's deal with the last of the big three then, Barney. Benfica played on Saturday night against Morrowinds. I was away on Saturday, so I wasn't able to watch the game, but I gathered you watched it. Yeah, I mean, it was all right game. I finished 2-1 to Benfica with all three goals coming in the, the first 30 minutes. I think this month's going to be very interesting for Benfica because obviously they, they, had, a hot, they had an eye on their Champions League games. Um, a fair bit of rotation within the squad. I think they were fortunate to get to two early goals that set them up well. And then they went down to 10 men as well after a um, pretty stupid challenge from Gonzalez, which was uh, checked by VR and turned to, from a yellow card to a red. Uh, did you see it? Did you think it was a red? I have to say, I think you're being quite generous by calling it a, a silly challenge. I thought it was a reckless challenge and, and it was definitely warranted a red card. The thing about the challenge is that it's kind of senseless. There's no danger. I mean, obviously there's the danger of losing the ball, but he's more or less on the halfway line. Uh, there's, you know, there's plenty of players covering and it just seemed like a really inexperienced uh, experienced challenge and absolutely deserving a red card. I wouldn't be surprised if, if there was a, you know, a, mid, a medium length ban, not just the three games that we see for that, because you see the way he goes over the ball onto the player's ankles. It's, it's, it's very nasty. Yeah, he clearly was sort of a reaction to him just be like having losing the ball himself by that play. Like, yeah, I, I didn't like it. But um, to focus on the goal scorers for Benfica, I think so. Verissimo got a lovely scrappy goal uh, <laughs> again to be nice. But um, I've just been thinking, like, I feel like he is going to be a big player for them this season. I think he's got, and I think he's got the makings of a top top defender. I like um, in this back three. Obviously, you have got Vertonghen on the side, who we know has got the passing range. You know, the confidence to 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 move with the ball, move forward and start attacks. And so Verissimo, I think, is going to be asked to do the same. And I'm not sure if he's done that that much in Brazil playing in a back four. So, you know, and for the second goal, he was one who started it by by feeding Gonçalves up the line. So, yeah, I, I liked his performance. And then, of course, Walshmitt as well, the second uh, the second goal scorer. I just wonder, Albert, if, if it, his chances this season are going to come in the league after they've played a European game. You know, mm. Jake is just going to rotate his squad. and Because we he's got so much more to offer, I feel. And uh, we, we didn't see enough from last season. Well, you mentioned that. It's interesting. The one thing I did notice about the game was that there was a lot of rotation. Now, obviously, I imagine that was with European mind. George Jesus wants to put this Spartak tie to bed by playing his best players. Did you see this as a second string team or do you think these are players that will get will get given minutes? Because there were players like Gustavo Ramos, uh, Vulchmir, as you say, Mate made his debut alongside Tarabt. You know, a lot of new players playing in the side. Well, Mate's the interesting one, Albert, you mentioned there. I think, for me, Jaumara is a nailed on star. They put a fair bit of money. In. I know it's only five, five, six million euros or whatever, but you know, it's a fair bit of money in signing mate, especially when they've got so many midfielders mm. at the club already. So I, I didn't, think, I couldn't get too much from him in this game. He didn't, didn't show much. But I think what he does offer is a bit more mobility than perhaps the other other players in that Benfica midfield. I was thinking about this today, Albert. You know, the fact that Chihuahua is going to have to rotate so much because of these European games, and that's going to continue throughout the season. When in fact, what I feel Benfica is screaming out for is a little bit of stability and setting on a, set, uh, on a set 11. And of course, they're not going to be able to do that. It's going to be very interesting what he just eventually goes up with. Because I still feel like Julius does want to be able to do that. It's just last season, he just he couldn't work out. Well, look, I was disappointed to miss the game because as anyone who listened to the show last year knows, I did have a bit of a soft spot for more ends. They did get a goal back. So some promise there, Barney, but obviously weren't able to get any result over the line. 
No, and I think we were perhaps a little negative about them in the pre-season show, but uh, man, because I, f- I forgot about Raphael Marsens. He's <laughs> of there. Course. He's getting goals. Yeah. He's, only, he's, still, he's 32, but he's still got the pace. I mean, there's a lovely few touches. Um, and I think he's been fantastic. Since he's come back from China, look, he's been fantastic. He was, yeah. he was great last second half of the season. So, yeah. Shrewd um, signing. Yeah. Well, that's the big three taken care of, Brian. Let's move a little bit uh, further down the table and talk about some of the other teams. One team that we kept an eye on a lot last season and we were anticipating eagerly this season was Vittoria Guimaraes. Their first game of the season was against Portimonense, a game we had a lot of high hopes for. It was our first chance to see them under new manager Pepper, obviously coming off the back of a very poor season last year. And Pepper was ultimately the mastermind behind Passos's excellent season. The big question was, were we going to see any improvement? And while they did start brightly, ultimately the game ended 1-0 to Portimonense. I don't want to say it was against the run of play, but I think it's fair to say Portimonense were not the dominant team in the game. We can put it, we can put it that way. Look, Victoria started very brightly for me. I thought they were playing very good attacking football, the kind of football we associate with Pepper. They were utilising their creative players as much as possible. Koresma and Edwards uh, had a lot of the ball, but the same problem was rearing its head that they had last year for me, Barney, and that was goals. It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because uh, Stupinen is seems to be on his way to Turkey, doesn't he? And he was he was sort of the only striker in that squad who seemed to be able to offer goals. I I said last week that I think this is will be a transitional season for Vittorio, but I, I wanted to see your opinion because one, do you think this was Pepper's best team? Because both Edwards and Kresmer are starting, and the other thing is that. I mentioned that I think it's going to be a transitional season. Do you think they need to mix it up and get Andre Andre out or Cresmo or Edwards and start mixing up with some of these younger players? It's a very good question. It's a very good question. I think I was very interested, and if we just stay on the strikers for a second, I was very interested to see Duarte starting up front. And I didn't mind it. I have to say, he obviously didn't do very well last year. I think he possibly got one or two goals for the whole season. But I don't mind the idea that Pepper's giving him a chance, saying, you fit into my system, this is how I want to play, and you're going to be the man that gets me the goals. Obviously, he didn't in this game, but that wasn't for lack of trying. I think there are other weaknesses, and I know you just mentioned Andre Andre there. I've got a soft spot for him, but I'll try and be impartial. He didn't offer that much, and they brought on Jean-Vierre, the French midfielder who came on. I didn't really notice much difference when he came on, to be honest. So I think they are still struggling with the fact that they've got Gaps in this squad, which ideally they would need to, uh, they would need to improve on. I do want to talk about Marcus Edwards Barney because he had a very difficult game. Six shots on target, zero goals. It's not a great statistic, and obviously, the most obvious thing we have to say about his performance was the fact that he missed a golden opportunity to equalise at the very, very end of the game in the depths of stoppage time. Now. He did actually come out on social media after the game and, and make an apology to the fans. I thought it was quite nice. You know, he said, obviously, we're sorry for the result. Uh, it's not what we wanted, but the team's much stronger this year. We're ready for the season. And he apologised for, for missing that chance, which I thought was a nice touch. I love Marcus. I make no apologies for the fact that I want him to succeed. And, and in this game, he showed exactly why he has everything to succeed and also everything to fail. He's got all the talent that you need but I did question his decision-making at times. Now, obviously, we criticise him for having six shots and not scoring and also missing that chance in the end, but let's not forget, he's also the same person who put the ball on a plate for Berevkovic in the first half, who was two yards out and still managed to hit the crossbar. So if you're looking for a villain in this game, I think Berevkovic is just as much a villain uh, as Marcus Edwards is. But look, as you say, there are still quite a few gaps in this squad for me, and I don't think we're going to be seeing a whirlwind season from them. But 
if there's a manager can get the boat can get the most out of uh, an unlikely group of players, we know that that's Pepper from last season. Yeah, and I think um, on a couple of the, the new players in this team, Alvaro Semedo, I thought it looked alright. I think he had a you know it looks a bit more of a more mobile player than they've previously had in that defensive midfield position. And I think Rafa Suarez at left back looks like a pretty decent upgrade on uh, Gideon Mensah, who they had on him from Salzburg last season. So I think those were a few couple of positives. It just felt like Albert didn't like it was. Um, this unlucky Vittoria side that we saw last season was just still there. And uh, I, I think Edwards, I think last season when he was, when he was in the team, which was, wasn't as frequent as we have liked, he missed a few sits, not sitters, but good opportunities as well. So I think hopefully if Pepper just keeps him in the team, gives him a run of games, allows him to build, build a bit of momentum that, that will help him. I mean, going to Porto Nenzal, but I think it was just it was just lovely seeing the sort of old faithful of uh, Lewis Bomorte, <laughs> not Lewis Bomorte, Nelson <laughs> Bomorte, and uh, assisting Beto, wasn't it? I mean, I know it, it's still amazing to me that they seem to be keeping Beto for another season. But uh, do do you think Bomorte could have been picked up by a bigger club in this league or something? Because he, he was he was decent last season. He was overshadowed by Beto, wasn't he? But I thought he was equally as effective as a winger. Obviously, he didn't grab all the goals that Beto did, but I was very impressed with him. Uh, yeah, and it was it was three players, three star players from last year linking up for their goal. Fired Mufi the right back into Elton Bowen, we'll say, into Beto. And it's a goal. It's a system that served them well last year. Uh, and I wonder how many times we'll be seeing that combination again. It's interesting because last year, obviously, Porto Lens got to a very slow start. It's something they've done in years previously. Uh, but three points on the first day of the season, exactly what they needed. Well, but I think uh, by all accounts, I, mean, this, I think the president of Portland has said they are preparing for the departure of better. I, I know, I think Besiktas have recently put in an offer or something. Um, but if he does go, I mean, they still seem to be keeping the majority of this team together. They've got a good, exciting young midfield. Last season, Albert, they finished sixth. They have six highest possession stats, uh, eighth best defence in terms of goals conceded and, and six most shots. You know, there's, there's a solid team in there. And I think, Paolo Sergio, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a few more results like this for the rest of the season. 100% agree with that. Well, look, let's move on to Passos Barna. We just mentioned them uh, as the club that Pepper managed last season. Passos played Family Cow in their first game. Uh, and Family Cow, a team that a lot of people, like myself, have backed for big things this season. A team that absolutely shone in the second half of last year, inspired under manager Ivo Vieira. In contrast to Passos, who I think it's fair to say we both were a bit down on last week. We both said that we thought they would struggle this year. And what did they go and do? They both surprised us. Passos beat Family Cout 2-0. Two goals inside 60 seconds for Passos de Ferreira. Absolutely blew away Family Cout. And it was a result that neither of us expected. But it's fair to say on the balance of the game was a fair result. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I think... A few players that I criticise in Nuno Santos, um, I wouldn't have guessed Lucas Silva would put in a performance like that. I mean, really exciting. I mean, anything that's interesting about Lucas Silva, I, I, I generally didn't really know who he was. He played six times last season, I think only 154 minutes for Passos. Came from uh, Flamengo beginning of last season, but he looked so skillful, didn't he? I thought he was so aggressive, you know, he was taking a man. And it was a really neat finish for his goal. Mm. Mm, for a very tight angle as well. And I think players like that are going to be so important for Passos. And do you know what? I like the idea that they're giving the opportunity to someone who's a permanent fixture on their books, who hasn't had many minutes, when, you know, we've seen them rely on loan players in the past season and then lose those players. So I like the fact that they're, they're trying to rely on the players that they have got. Uh, the other face, Barney, and I was tweeting about this guy because I've only watched him for two games now, but I'm already a big fan, and that's Dennison Jr. up front. 
what a player this guy looks. It's interesting, again, where did he come from? He's been on loan at Tandela before. He's been on loan at Passos before. We've never seen him. He suddenly comes into this side. Dare I say it, he looks like an upgrade on Douglas Tank. I mean, that's exactly what I wrote about because I thought, I wonder if that's because George Samal, you know, wants a more mobile forward because he's, he's certainly far more mobile than Douglas Tank. He had a great bit of pace. Uh, and, and I thought that front that front three he went with as you know it was it was almost rampant, wasn't it? But sort of swarming around at moments. Um, yeah, I, I I think he's got a lot to offer, Albert. I can't wait to see more of him. Um, I do want to give some credit to Nuno Santos as well, the other goal scorer. I think I was very I was a bit harsh on him last week when I said that, you know he wasn't an upgrade on it was is it very much a downgrade on Bruno Costa and that, because of what I saw of him at Bovista, which wasn't very much, but mm-hmm. uh, in this game and the Europa Conference League game, I was I'm really impressed with him. He's got like uh, a, a really good aggression for quite a small midfielder, and I think um, yeah, I, I'm excited to see more of him. If this it could be a good opportunity for him. Uh, one question I don't understand, Albert, I wish I'd, why was Maracas on penalties the centre back? <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel like after the penalty, apparently he missed in this game. He won't be on them for much longer. It's a very weak. <laughs> penalty down to the keepers wires. Yeah. Don't understand that at all. Give it to give it to Denilson Jr. next time, I think. Well look, full credit to Passos and the team because it was a performance that surprised me and I think surprised a lot of people. And uh, I'm the first to hold my hands up and say they look like they're going to prove me wrong and I'm all for it. Family Cow on the other hand, Barney. Now I was surprised by their starting lineup. Some of the key players that we praised a lot last season, namely uh, Jaime and Heriberto Tavares, were not in the starting lineup. Uh, new signing Tavares was in there, and he, he did impress me a little bit. He was—I've always thought of him more as a winger, but he was kind of playing as an attacking midfielder in that midfield three. Got the ball a lot, looked to move forward, put some crosses in the box. Obviously, ultimately failed to make anything happen, but they just didn't seem to have that spirit and that fight that they had last season, and, and that was what was so, so impressive last year. And it was just missing in this game. Yeah, I, I mean, you highlight to Faraz there. I, I, I agree with you. I think he's a very skillful player, but I felt like in this um, system that they were going with, he, he needed to offer a bit more defensively, and I don't think he was the right player to be playing. I think they've got Pepe back from Olympiacos uh, on a permit, so I think I imagine he will come in and start alongside Asin Cow and give that bit more stability because, you know, Passos were just, you know, quite, there was multiple times where it was like three on three or even three on two when, uh, you know, there was no protection over the, over the back four. So, and that's the worrying thing about Family Cowers that we saw last season is that defensively, they've never quite got it right. They've never settled on the back four. Obviously, a, a new signing coming in in this game, but that's that's the real area that they need to work on. We know they can get goals. They know, we know they can be incredibly, uh, a really effective attacking team, but it's, it's defence that's the, that's the real worry and it doesn't seem to have been sorted out at the moment. Mm. And of course, no Diego Carrosh, the uh, Portugal under-21 captain. So, yeah. Slightly worrying signs for Family Cow. We'll have to wait and see if they can pick it up for their next game. Well, look, just a couple of games left for our Premier League roundup for this week, Barney. Let's go on to the team that everybody's talking about thanks to their two marquee loan signings in Edu Grejman and Thiago Dantas. That is, of course, Tondela. Their first game of the season was a real spectacle. They managed to pull off a 3-0 win over Santa Clara. Not a game to be missed, unless, of course, you myself, who did manage to miss it. But you watched this one, so you can tell us how it went. Oh, man, well, it's just... A massive win for Sandeya. I think this uh, this is the biggest margin win of three goals in the league that they've had since beating uh, Chavez 5-2 last game of the season back in 2019. You know, it, this, oh, wow. is, uh, this is a huge win for them. Um, Dantas pulling the strings, you could say. Um, <laughs> Maria having a lovely old time on the wing. A new signing at Andros with two tidy goals. Uh, they were beautiful. But yeah, I think today's midfield just looked 
really strong, I thought. And uh, in Dantas, they obviously have a player who's a skillful player who can keep the ball, keep possession better. And alongside Gerald Pedro and Barbosa, who, you know, they've always impressed me last season. I think that's a, a, a really good trio. But it's the defence that they've needed to improve out. They had the um, second worst defence last season. And with Kresma coming in, hopefully that can add a bit more stability. Because, you know, to, to be fair to Santa Clara, if, if they had had their shooting boots on, this could have been a completely different final score. I think they had 15, 15 shots off target, 20 in total compared to Tondeo's eight. It was a... Yeah, not Santa Clara's best day at the office. Wow. Well, perhaps the scoring doesn't tell you the full story then. No, and I, I think I mentioned at the beginning of the show, it will be interesting with Santa Clara if, if, if this European football in this in the month of August is a little bit of a distraction, and you know, and if they do progress to the group stage of the Conference League, I, do you remember when Burnley got to the Europa League and it was just an absolute disaster for them in the league? <laughs> I, I really hope Santa Clara don't have the same the, the same situation. And of course, before we finish, Barney, we can't forget about the two other promoted, newly promoted teams that were in action against each other uh, this in the first week of the Premier League. Is it too early for a relegation six-pointer? Well, that's what we got with Aruka versus Estoril, a game that finished 2-0 to Estoril prior. And it was an interesting game, Barney, because obviously it was the first opportunity we had to get a look at these two newly promoted teams. It started off as what I thought was a very evening game, but then I thought as the game went on, Esterol slowly started to pull ahead just in terms of controlling the game, showing a little bit more quality and creating more chances, which ultimately uh, resulted in their 2 0 win. Yeah, and I think, you know, the early goal really set them up well and it enabled the firms to, you know, feel a bit more comfortable compared to Aruka. I mean, by the way, did you, did you think that the ball crossed the line for that goal? Because I, I didn't realize there's no goal line technology in this league. Well, it's a very interesting question. If you haven't watched the highlights from this game, I urge you to go back and look at the highlights and have a think for yourself. What do you think? For me personally, I'm not convinced that the ball did go over the whole line. You know, the rule is the whole of the ball over the whole of the line. And I feel like the Aruka keeper will be feeling a little bit hard done by there. I feel like he just gets a hand to it in time and maybe goal line technology uh, would have done him a favour there. But ultimately, there was no goal line technology. The goal stood... uh, and they got a second goal at the end of the game, Barney, with one of our favourites, Riotaro Machino, on his debut. Yeah, well, uh, that got me thinking. I, I wanted to put this question to you. If you look at the two squads here, in Estoril and Aruka, I know Gerardas and Machino didn't start for Estoril, but Africo, uh, the centre-back from Marito, did. And Aruka signed no one from the top tier of what it's like the last two seasons. And Estoril have players, like I just mentioned, Vizela, Cassiano, who is experienced in the top tier. And they've signed a couple of players from Brog as well. Do you think... You know, last season, Cedar National friends like Aruka failed to sign a player from the with proper top two experience. Sorry. So, do you think? I mean, maybe it's too early to be sort of making these put sort of points, but how how important do you think Machino and Giraudas will be to Estoril throughout the season? Well, I think Giraudas more so uh, in that aspect, but it is a very good point. I think. Obviously, I do love the idea that they're sticking by the people that got them promoted, giving them an opportunity to perform in the top division, but. I think if you don't have that first division experience, it's naive more than anything to think that it's not going to affect you in the long run. Obviously, they'll have experienced players that can lead the team in their own way. But yeah, I do think that ultimately that could be something that we see uh, catch up with them as the season goes on, perhaps. Yeah, and I, just one more thing on Machina. I really hope he, he gets a, 
enough opportunities this season. He wasn't given nearly enough of Real. I thought whenever we saw him play there, he was he was a really good player, but he, his opportunities were few and far between. So I'm hoping we see a lot more from him. Well, I absolutely stand stand by my support of Machino. I think he's a very talented player. We saw him score some very good goals last year, and I thought his goal in this game uh, was a very good was a very good goal. And I think the quality of players like him. And Gerard as well, we what gets them over the line. Uh, and just the last player that I wanted to pick out, Chiquinho playing on, well, left wing, right, right wing, whatever wing he wants really, was uh, another key player. His debut in the top flight as well. So he's a he's a newcomer, but he looks ready to, to make a bit of a mark this season. Well, just before we wrap up this show for this week, we're going to have a bit of fun and we're going to do a few predictions. We've got our top six and our bottom three predictions, plus top scorer, top assists, and a third award that I believe you want to introduce, Barney. Well, yeah, it's a, an award that I think um, will be uh, very well received by our listeners. I think uh, <laughs> <laughs> it'll be and a, a complete honour to whoever eventually wins this award. It's, it's we've named it the Ryan Gould Award um, for <laughs> the player who out a player not in the big three who's caught eye. Um, yeah, <laughs> a tribute outside. to the great man. <laughs> the best player outside the top three, basically. Basically, basically yeah. <laughs> well, look, we're going to do this. The European places one to six and bottom three. Barney, I'm going to let you go first, basically because I don't want to go first. Well, I've, it might seem quite boring what I've gone with, but I, I'll, I'll say it and then I'll explain. I've gone Sporting, Porto, Benfica, Braga, Santa Clara, Vittorio Grimaldi. So pretty much the, the same top five as last season, but it, it's going to be a hell of a lot more closer for me. I think it's going to be a point or two difference between, you know, the, the big three, potentially four, five and six as well being... Uh, uh, yeah, and I did make these predictions before the weekend's football, I should say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's worth noting. Well, so the only difference from the top six that we had last year, obviously, is you swap passos for Vittoria Gemaraes. What's that based on? Well, I, like last week, people heard me not giving passos a chance. Um, I, I wasn't expecting the players that have already performed very well to to step up. I was expecting them to very much be, as George Mal said, a, a season of consolidation. And then, and I thought Vittoria Gemaraes and the Pepper would, you know be able to improve, but I didn't think that they were going to be able to improve enough. And I, I, I thought once Santa Clara potentially got knocked out of the Conference League, you know, there's still a very good squad in intact at the moment. So I, that's why I went for it. I don't know if you think that's a bit of a silly decision. No, no, I, it makes a lot of sense to me. Obviously, fourth place Braga, that's a, that's a pretty easy one. Going into your top three then, Barney. Mm. Benfica in third place, Porto in second, Sporting in the lead. Our Sporting fan listeners will love hearing you say that. I yeah, I just think they've they've shown in the even the super tasser, just the, the continued momentum is there, and I think that the the young players will, will be growing in confidence, growing in belief, and also growing in their experience and ability. So yeah, I've, I've stuck by my my prediction from last week. I've gone sporting, and I think I think Porto are going to edge on Benfica again, just because I think I've, there's a, a more settled team there than than Benfica. I think Benfica are still working out their best team. Do you want to do yours? Do you want to do you want to compare? Happily, happily. I'm not I'm not bricking it at all. Right. <laughs> so I'll go I'll go from six up to one. Oh, okay. And again, similar to Barney, these predictions were made before the first week of the Premier League, just so I don't sound completely stupid. <laughs> because in sixth place, I've gone for Family Cow. Yep. Fifth place, I've gone Vittoria. Yeah. Fourth place, Braga. Into the top three. 
<laughs> third place like you, Benfica. Second place, and I just want to say, I fought long and hard about this. <laughs> Second place, Sporting. First place, Porto. Now, I will just say, and just to be completely honest with you, my truthful answer is that I cannot pick between Sporting and Porto. So part of me going with Porto is to play devil's advocate, have a bit of debate on the show. For me, it came down to this. The top three, when we look at the top three, Benfica, I think, finished third place last year. Disappointing season, had a lot of limitations and weaknesses. I think they will improve, but I don't see them ironing out every single weakness that they had last season. I still think we'll see shadows, as we did, to be fair, in their game against Moran, shadows of the problems they had last season. So I think that in itself will mean they don't have enough this year uh, to jump up above the other two. Now, when I compared the other two, I found it so difficult. I think they have very similar starting 11s. I think Sporting have the better defence. I think Porto possibly... It's all very similar. It's very similar. It came down to this. I think both teams could feasibly win every single game other than when they play the top three. So where are they going to drop points? And for me, it's going to be in a head-to-head. And it came down to the fact that, honestly, as much as I think Sporting look fantastic, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that that, uh, Porto pick up a couple of points here and there against Sporting and Benfica. So ultimately, that's what it came down to, Barney. Again, like you have put Vittoria in at fifth place, I back them to regain a European position. I don't think it will be Europa League. I think they'll grab one of the Conference League places. And Family Cow, I stood by what I said at the end of the last season. I backed them to get into uh, the Europa League based on the performances that we saw in the league last season. If they can replicate that form and sustain it over a whole season, I think sixth place is very, very, very doable. Do you still feel like that after this weekend's football? <laughs> <laughs> let's just say I was pretty gutted when they lost. <laughs> All right, man. Let's do the let's do the bottom three. So I've gone um, rock bottom Aruka, then Boavista, and then Vizela in the playoff playoff spot. Okay, very interesting. All right, go on. Do you want to talk about that? Aruka, I just felt like um, being the third the third team coming up through the playoff. I didn't think they'll be as in a, a strong position. Boa Vista, but just, uh, you know, I, I've the, what's going on there, I just think it's too messy. It doesn't, it's too scary. There's, there's not enough players that I recognise. It's just, yeah, it doesn't feel right. And then sort of going off the back of what Josie was saying from especially to Segunda last week, I, I thought Vizela might play some nice football, but I feel like they might struggle to get points on the board. That's that's what. No, totally fair assessment. I'm not, I'm not going to argue that. I've gone for two of the same team, Barney. I've got Boa Vista in 16th place. So for me, I think they'll get into the playoff spot. I've gone for Aruka in 17th, but the team that I've gone rock bottom for me is BSAD. I cannot see them. I cannot see them getting out of a relegation battle this season. I think the squad is even weaker than it was last season. It wasn't particularly strong then. Um, I don't really see it as a squad with a lot to fight for. I don't see it really, even though they've signed the Mercurial Sandro, I don't really see them as a team with so many so many leaders. I don't see it as a club that players really want to play for. And for that reason, I just feel like the, this their time has come and, and they've not really invested in the squad. Uh, I don't really see much ambition there. And, and I think this will be the season where they fall out of the Primera Liga. Aruka 17th, like you, I think, unfortunately, I think they, they they don't look strong enough to stay in the league. That said, I think they'll have a little bit more fight and might be able to, you know, maybe in the last two or three games, they'll they'll pull off a win to, to put them out of the bottom spot. But I, I think ultimately it won't be enough. And, and Boa Vista, again, 
for me, they are they are one of the three worst squads in the league with lots of issues off the field. But let's not forget that they do have experience in this league. So I think that will be enough to to get them up to 16th. I'm going to have to see how the playoff goes if and when it happens. It would be fascinating, wouldn't it, Albert, if, if, if two... Uh, two of the promoted teams stayed up at the end of the season. That would be um, that would be brilliant. I think that could be a really nice mix-up to the league. And of course, it's interesting that neither of us put Estoril in the relegation spots. Yeah, they, I just felt like, obviously, seeing their history and having the, they've been in this league several times before, and I, I quite like a fair few of the signings they've made. I think they've been uh, positive. Like uh, Anaga mentioned, that that bit of experience in the league which they need. I think, yeah, I think that's going to be the difference for them. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Well, let's do the last few, Barney. Top scorer, most assists and the Ryan Gould Award for best player outside the top three. Go on, hit me with your addresses. Tony Martinez, top goal scorer. Back to him, back to him on fantasy. I mentioned it last week, Paulinho for assists. Mm, very interesting. I don't know if that's going to be, be come true at the end of the season, having seen the first game, but <laughs> <laughs> um, I just went for it. And then I went, uh, once again, just... Uh, I'm just uh, rinsing uh, Jose from the specialist the Segundo on this one, but I went for Kiko from Vizela as my Ryan Gould award. Just completely off the what Jose was saying last week, it, I thought, it, from what I've seen, yeah, a little bit of an exciting play. Very interesting. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with that. I have gone for different choices. Though. I've gone for Pedro Gonzalez as top goal scorer. And for the record, that was a decision I made before he banged three goals in two games. Uh, for this, I've gone for Joao Mario Barney at Benfica. Um, I think he's going to have a good season. I think he's going to outperform what he did at Sporting. I think he'll be uh, have more responsibility than he did at Sporting and be more of a key player. And let's not forget, Jorge Jesus loves him. He played some of his best football under Jorge Jesus. So I, I really could see him being a key player in that Benfica midfield and, and supplying them with a lot of the goals. Ryan Gould Award, I've gone for the guy I mentioned earlier, Barney. Afonso Souza at Bayside. Now, I know it's funny to say, considering I've just tipped Bayside to get relegated, but I wanted to pick a team, you know, not in fifth place, not in not in fourth place. I wanted to pick a player from a team who I, I see is really struggling, but yet still have that gem that could uh, could be a, a small shining light in their season. And I think of Afonso Souza uh, is the player at Bayside who could do that. And let's not forget Ryan Gould got relegated with that French team, but you know, exactly. It's still, it's still could have done it at a bigger team. <laughs> all right, let's move on. To our well, look, well, that's all we got time for uh, for this week's episode of the Long Ball Football Podcast. We'll be back next week talking about how all the teams get on in Europe and all the action from the Premier League this weekend. If you've enjoyed listening, you could leave us a little review on Apple Podcasts or send a podcast to a friend who you think might enjoy. If you want to contact us, we're on Twitter at Long Ball Football or on Gmail at longballfootball at gmail.com. But that just leaves me to say, once again, thank you very much. And we'll see you again next week. See you next week.